Hello and welcome to Map Bites, episode 83. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode, Boxing Sparrows and From Male Fail to Holy Grail. But before that, we've got some feedback from the lovely Macbiters. Yes, we heard from Gav. Always great to hear from Gav. And this was in relation to me talking about the sad demise of Audio Hub and the fact I'd switched to Pro Audio Converter. And he added to the show notes, you may have it lined up for your next show, but I replaced Audio Hub with X-Act. Now, I don't think I've heard of that one. I think Gav's been keeping secrets from me. Uh, apparently, it was recommended by Ian, who is Sweeper. I only know people by their Twitter names. You know, it's like when people call Minster Gordon. It takes me a minute to catch up. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that was Ian. Um, or call me Thomas. Yes, exactly. I call you all sorts of things, but we won't go into that. Not so early. True. Um, yes, he recommended it ages ago, apparently, for batch audio conversion. And he also mentioned Fission, which I love. Um, he said he thinks I've mentioned it a few occasions, but for the, and he uses it on the odd occasion that XX throws a wobbly. My software does that a lot, doesn't it? It does. I love fishing. Absolutely love it. Must admit, um, not for precise edits. I've always found it a bit odd for precise edits. It kind of twangs a little bit. The snap seems to be a bit off as far as I'm concerned. But it's great for working with um, M4As. Nothing like it for working with M4As. So yes, I do use that and I do love it. But now I'm going to head off and have a look at this X-Act. There's a piece of software I'm not aware of. I can't have it. I just can't have that. So thank you very much for that, Gav. Always good to hear about new toys. We also heard from Bob, Bob de Grand, who recommended Tapforms as a replacement for Bento. He says there are Mac, iPad and iPhone versions and it's not very expensive. In reality, it's not expensive, or in Tweetbots, it's not expensive. Well, Bob said when he bought it, all three combined cost less than Bento for Mac alone, so it's certainly far less expensive than moving to FileMaker. That's a very good point. It's not as pretty as Bento in terms of colours, themes, fonts, etc., but it's more powerful, it's relational, and still, while still being easy to use... It syncs between the devices and his database needs are pretty simple, so he was able to move his Bento data over as CSV files. But there is also a menu item for importing templates from Bento. It's updated frequently. It added Flex FlexKey? Flexi? Flexi, I think, Flexi. isn't it? It added Flexi keyboard support, for example, and he gives us a link which we will stick in the show notes. Absolutely. I've thought about tap forms, but I must admit I've never actually made the jump. Um, I wondered if I actually had it, and it was one of those things that I'd bought and not tried. Uh, I do have the iPhone version, but I don't have the desktop or the iPad. So I'm only guessing that at some point it was ludicrously reduced in price, and I bought it and then didn't really use it. So um, Bob might just have pushed me over the edge into buying the others and giving it a go. What? But I know you've, you are a man with a plan. I'm a man with a plan. I wait for an upcoming show when uh, we'll be deep diving databases. And I think Tapforms are going to be one of those. <gasps> Love the smell of new toys in the morning. And we also heard from Graham, uh, who said it was great to hear the show again. He won't have noticed that little gap, will he? No. No, of course not. Uh, and he wondered if QuickTime 7 would play the uncompressed mobs that I was complaining about. He said that uh, they sometimes churn them out using Grass Valley's Edius edit software. Uh, around 60 gig an hour. That sounds like my kind of files, doesn't it? And um, that's at an archive where he volunteers. And he said, Windows Media Player won't play them, but QuickTime for Windows will. And he's got QuickTime 7 installed at home, but he doesn't have any big files to try it with at the moment. You can always come to me for big files, Graham. Uh, he also says he wishes that Apple would allow Windows to output ProRes, which I think the codec I'm using. It's, a, it's an animation codec I'm using. I think it's one of the ProRes codecs. Um, apparently, get asked for that a lot, but Apple say no. Apple are going mad, that's the problem. Uh, I must admit, I don't think I've got QuickTime 7 installed at, at the moment. I did have. I have. I uh, having said that, this machine must have been installed for at least two and a bit years, so maybe I have. It's one of those weird ones. I always remember trying to install QuickTime 7, because you know where it asks you for your serial number yeah. and your name? Well, obviously, I usually put Elaine Giles. No. Strange, I know. But what they did is they took the name off my credit card. So I have to put in oh. the full name. 
in that one. So I always remember that every time I try and register it, I think it's broken and it's not. So I'll have to check that. Uh, that was, I think, one of my, my next tricks to try. But in the end, I just got so annoyed with it um, because what I was concerned about was if I start trying to rely on QuickTime 7, something will change in an upcoming operating system and then it'll stop working. But good call, Graham. I do need to check that. But if you get there first, let me well, I've know. just checked um, and I haven't got 7 on here. You see, you're lying yeah. to me as well. Get right. on with it. Um, in one of the episodes the other day, we haven't said that before, have we? No, no, it's good, <laughs> isn't it? I Mind you, I must admit, I don't know what day of the week it is. I don't know what episode we're talking about. <laughs> the episode we did the other day, whichever one that was, 80, 81 or 82, we talked just, about Monosnap. Brilliant, just gloss over it. Just sound really confident. The, the, the episode we did the other day when we yes. discussed. We there talked about Monosnap um, and the fact it wouldn't install for me at work. So I... Um, I went back to work and I tried it again and I installed it's working perfectly now. Really? If I'd have said to test it again, you'd have said no. So was it the lure of the selfie that persuaded you? Uh, I tried it, but um, it doesn't do selfies on the Windows version. Oh, that's such, such a great pity. I've still got that other one, you know. You know what the best bit about that app is? Go the on. website. Oh, yes. We didn't mention that, did we? And the dog was distraught. He was. Yes. Um, on the website, there is a big picture at the top of the website and it's of the app and it's showcasing an image on the app. And it is a gorgeous Samoyed, just like our lad Maya. So if you've not seen the website, it's worth seeing for the dog alone. Now, we also taught on a previous show this week or last week or in the Don't last few days. Don't you doing it again. No. Confidence. Confidence. On a previous show. Not that long ago. Oh, I'm loving this. <laughs> On a previous show not long ago, in the last four days, um, we talked about your keyboard. Yes, my lovely keyboard. And yesterday, or the day before. Um, but You really are point, confused, aren't you? Some point this week, when we've been doing some shows, I um, made the mistake of ringing you. So, are you going to admit what you did? Ah, yeah, it was a slight incident of an iPhone placement malfunction. What I did was I was talking to you and then you asked me to check something. So I put you on speaker and I propped you up gently. Well, I propped the phone up gently against my keyboard. Yes, and that's when I heard this. Yes, sorry about that. Didn't sound that loud my end. It did in my ear. Sorry. <clears throat> anyway, we are also happy to report Minster is alive and well. Despite the influx of MacBite shows, consumed rather daringly during his commute, so far no serious incidents, despite several near misses with the MacBite's teeth. We will keep you posted as MacBite 7 progresses. I wonder how poor Minster's going to cope. So hello, Minster. Hello, Minster, indeed. So, on to the focus of today's show, which is mail. Now, the company where I work is in the process of moving to Office 365, or 365, or 3... Oh, don't start. It's 365. 365. Yeah, we've just been having a discussion about this, haven't we? How do you pronounce it? Well, most Mac users will probably say rubbish or a rip-off. Either way, <laughs> carry on. OK, so the company where I work is in the process of moving to Office 365. Now, at the moment, it's only the email side of things that's been moved. So currently, our mailboxes are hosted on company-run exchange servers, which are expensive to maintain. And after migration to the cloud, our mailboxes are going to be hosted on a Microsoft-run servers. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I thought you might have a comment to make about that. I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I know OneDrive works pretty well. It seems odd that a company would do that. You'd think they'd want control, especially of mail. Well, you know, it cuts costs. Um, there's um, less licensing issues. There's um, less, less maintenance of, of, of the servers. And most they... importantly, somebody else to blame when it all goes wrong. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one of the one of one of the benefits that was touted around in our presentation was um, higher uptime and better availability. Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, Microsoft and availability do they go hand in hand? The usual excuses, I'm fearing. What's that? Blaming somebody else. Oh, blaming somebody else. Yes. Anyway, since last October, I've been working on the 365 project. I'm responsible for creating user guides, instructional videos, and also designing an awareness training event. 
And one of the benefits of this is that anyone with an iOS or an Android device will be able to access their mailbox via that device. That includes company-owned devices and personal devices. Now, if you've read my blog or you're a long-time listener to the show, you'll be aware that for some time I've been chasing the holy grail of having access to my work calendar on my personal iPhone or my iPad. Well, it looks like I finally reached the promised land. Hang on, I'm going to need that crowd cheering sound. (laughs) Now, if you're wondering why, because a lot of people will say why, It's not like, you know, I run the company and I need to be constantly in touch. It's not like uh, my calendar's forever changing. It's not like I want to feel important and special that I can get my mail on my iPhone. Because, as I say, now anyone can do it. For me, the practicality of being able to check my calendar uh, quickly and easily outside working hours is what was one of the key things. So if you said to me, where are you on such and such a date? Are you training? There's an Adobe Roadshow in Manchester, which that's happened more than once, hasn't it? Yep. Rather than waiting until the next day or longer, if it was a Friday, I could then check immediately. And that's one of the big benefits. Now, Before my account was migrated, it was actually a a manual process. We weren't supposed to do it, but needs must, as they say. So what I had to do was export my calendar to a CSV file and then upload the CSV file to my Google Calendar and subscribe to my Google Calendar on my iOS devices and also on my Mac. And the problem with that is you can probably tell it's slow, it's clunky and it's quickly out of date because unless I'm doing that on a a daily basis, obviously my my iOS, uh, well, my Google calendar's not going to be in sync with my Outlook calendar. Setting up this this new way of doing it on the phone, uh, as opposed to the old way, um, the new way is actually quite straightforward. Just on the phone and on the iPad, just go to settings, mail contacts, calendars, new account, and then bang in my details, my username and my password, and that's it. And then I can go into the mail app and just swipe down and my mail comes in. I can go into my calendar via my calendar app. Uh, My work appointments are mixed in with my other, my personal calendars, and I can see my contacts, my work contacts in my contacts app. Again, they're mixed in, but, you know, I haven't got that many contacts that I can't find people. If I want my tasks from Outlook, they come into the Reminders app. And if I want my notes from Outlook, they come into the Notes app. Now, it is a two-way synchronisation. So if I type a note into my Notes app that's nothing to do with work, it could be a shopping list, for example, uh, then that will appear in my notes in Outlook. So there are some downsides. Can you only have one of your iOS accounts linked to the Notes app? I don't use it, so I don't know. Um, I think so, yes. Mm, that's a bit of a limitation, isn't it? Yeah, because if I just go in now... What I was thinking was you could have multiple notes if, it, if you were reading them in, in the Notes app, but if you were to make a note in the Notes app, it would have to know which account to send it back to, and if you were logged into two, it wouldn't know or you'd have to ask. I don't know. There is, I think on the settings, there is a default um, account, but you only get um, like your iOS or your, your work. And I wanted, but I wanted my work one to synchronize. But actually, I turned that off because what you can do is you can go into the account settings and you can choose just by swiping between the white and the green um, which, which elements you want synchronized. So I've actually got the mail, the contacts and the calendar synchronized. I turned the list, the the tasks off because for some reason it wasn't actually syncing properly in the reminders app, which doesn't surprise me. I did try using tasks and notes in Outlook and it just couldn't cope. So I, I ended up using neither. What I did use notes for, and it wouldn't matter really if they synced or not, was you know when you've got your signatures... Yeah. So I've got about three or four different signatures. Um, I used to put them in a note because it it didn't synchronise. So if you remember, when you set up Outlook on a new machine, you could take your PST over and your notes were there, but your settings didn't come with it and your signatures were one of the things that didn't come with it. Right. So I just put signatures in as notes for backup. 
you can go in and you can set an auto signature um, in the settings on your iOS device, but it only works on that device. So if I set, you know, uh, Mike Thomas with my job title and my phone number, your typical auto signature, then it only works on the iPhone and I'd have to set it up again separately on the iPad. Which is why I put them in the notes because I think from memory the notes are RTF. So if you'd colour-coded anything, all yes, that would come are. through. So I, yeah. I literally just put them in there for backup. To be honest, that is one of the, the oversights with a lot of um, mail apps these days. I've, I've just changed my mail app. Well, I've just moved, reinstalled it. And again, your signatures weren't there. Now, I could get them because I went to an old mail and then I thought the, I need to put these somewhere where they're in, you know, rich text format and I can just put them back in. This is one of the things that doesn't often get backed up in any mail client. I can also use, as well as the apps, the built-in apps, um, I can also use Outlook web app through a browser. So I can go to Safari, I can go to a URL, log in, and one of the options is to set... Um, uh, an auto signature and if you set that that is actually stored in the cloud within the settings of my account and it's called a mobile signature so if i set it up through the ipad it's there on the iphone and vice versa you see that would just make more sense to me to have that as the default but that only works when you are sending mails through the Outlook web app through the browser. It doesn't translate or transfer when you're, you're creating mails through the mail app or any other third-party app on the phone. They need me to redesign it for them. It's all, it's all very weird. It's just totally disjointed. That sounds about right. True. Now, other things that, that you've got to consider are security. And this, this setting is actually, has actually been defined at the server end. So I have a, a passcode on both my iPhone and my iPad. So every time I turn it on, every time I wake it up from sleep, uh, I have to type in a four-digit passcode. Now, there are MacBiters screaming now about that not being very secure. What's well, not very secure? Just four digits. Well, it's more secure than not having one at all. Are you referring to anybody in particular? <clears throat> no. Oh, good. Carry on. We won't mention the fact there's no security on my device. Very seldom leave the house. There's people in strange ways get out more than me. Carry on. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are, there are of course, other ways that you can uh, protect your device. Like the... I find the pit of crocodiles outside Mike Byte's headquarters works well. Well, I was, I was talking about things like, um, what's it, thumbnail recognition. Although that's, that's only iPhone 5. Thumbnail above, recognition? Is this something new? Did I, sorry, did I say thumbnail? Yes, you said thumbnail recognition. <laughs> I, fig, I was going to say fingernail. You know what I mean? Fingerprint recognition. Oh, yes, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you've got to set up a passcode, which, you know, that's, that's fine for me because I had a passcode anyway. Um, so I, I just get used to turning the phone on, swiping the thing that says um, slide to unlock and typing it in. But um, I know, I can tell, even though I'm not in the same room as you, that you're making all the gestures here because you've just cracked the microphone and I heard that. Did I? Oh. <laughs> yes, because you... Just to give the MacBiters a nice visual picture of you waving your arms you've in You've seen me deliver virtual training where I do wave my arms and things oh, like that. Oh, it's like Magnus Pike reborn. But there are other, there's other considerations. For example, you can't have sequential numbers in your passcode. You can as long as there's only two, but yes. not three or four. We tried that, didn't we? Oh, I asked lots of questions, yes. didn't I? So you could have you could have um, one one five six, for example, but you couldn't have one two three six because that's got three sequential numbers in it. Also, the passcode has to be changed every ninety days. You get a nice little pop up box appearing that says your passcode has expired. Now, I've had the same passcode on my uh, iPhone for like two years since I set it, because for me, it's easy to remember. I've talked about muscle memory in the previous show. And as I said, I just swipe to unlock and, and type it in. But we came up with a nice little workaround because as well as having to change the passcode every 90 days, you can't use the previous five passcodes either. Well, I, I agree with you. I think if you've got a, a passcode and you've not told anybody that passcode, which obviously you wouldn't have done. Well, I've told you. Well, well yes, but that's in case something happens. And anyway, I can be trusted, <clears throat> True. she said. Um, I just think it's more confusing to make you change it. I think there's more chance you'll forget it. And I also think, can you imagine your own device and you, you get a message that says your passcode has expired? 
you would probably freak out before you remembered that it's 90 days and you need to change it. And I know you said that you can't use the same passcode. Um, there has to be five changes. Yeah. So the last five passcodes can't be used. That's right. Which was when I came up with a crafty, sneaky little workaround. You but did. But I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know whether they would let you change it five times on the bounce. And if you did that, you can change it back to what it was before. Yeah. They missed that one. Yeah. That was that was that's a very good uh, workaround, which I actually showed my boss because I was helping her to set up her iPhone the other day, and she's got a passcode, and I said to her, it came up actually automatically. It said your passcode has expired. Now that was immediately she'd actually set up her iPhone, so it must be something that it's like change your passcode on first use. Mm. So she says to me, I don't want to change it. I've had that passcode for for like two years. So I showed her that little trick that you came up with. And now you know her passcode too. I do actually, but <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone else. <laughs> See what I mean about security? It's fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. Now, if they hadn't have done that, she wouldn't have told you what her passcode was. No. And it would have been more secure. Yes. Back to what I said in the first place. <laughs> this whole business of um, allowing people to... Yeah, it's it's not true. Bring your own device to work because you know these real bring your own device to work um, schemes are where the company give you money and you go and you buy a device. And oh, it wouldn't be one of those. No. Good grief! So it's basically saying if you want to access your com- company email on your personal device, you can do. Um, and some people say, well, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I'd love to lie in bed at midnight and check my work email. I'm shaking my head sadly here, but carry on. But they don't want the restrictions of their personal device being tampered with in terms of... Somebody actually said it to me today. She was saying that she'll be in the kitchen and she'll be using the iPad looking at a recipe while she's cooking. And after five minutes, the screen just goes off. Uh, And then she has to swipe, or she would have to swipe, and put in a four-digit password. Um, And... So she she said to me, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a, a passcode. So I said, well, you can still use your personal device, but you're just going to have to do it through the browser and not via the apps. I think where the danger lies with it is when, at the moment, it's optional. So it's completely up to you whether you do it or not. In a way, that's more powerful because the social pressure is there. You know, can you imagine that everybody on the team, apart from you, is has done that with their device? you're going to be out of the loop. So rather than insisting that you pay your money and you buy a device and all of that, or that they pay for a device, it's more social pressure and you'll do it. Yeah. The, the danger for me comes when it's expected. Yeah, because somebody said to me the other day, they've got an old Android device and it's it's only got Android OS 3 on it and you have to have a minimum of, uh, to use the apps, you have to have a minimum of, a, a minimum of Android OS 4. And he said, does that mean I've got to go out and buy a $600 device? And I said, well, one, you know, unless the company are providing you with a phone, then it's personal choice whether you even bother or not. And two, if you want to, you can just go through the browser. Mm. But like I'm saying, there's going to be that poor relation aspect of it coming into. Yeah, agreed. Now, in addition to mail, I'm also using my iPhone for other work related things. And one of those things is Link. Maybe people who haven't heard of Link, it's it's more of a, a corporate thing. But a few years ago, the company rolled out Link, which is another Microsoft service. If you've not heard of Link, think of it as Skype for business, where you can send instant messages to anyone within the company. You can instant message with people in other pre-approved companies. Just not me, I might add. Yes. Let's not go um, there, can of worms. I was going to say, theoretically, you can, because, of course, Microsoft bought Skype, you should be able to um, IM with people who've got Skype, but they need to set something up on their on, on their end. In other words, my end's working perfectly, but you still can't um, IM me. Yes. Mm. You can also use Link for making voice calls to landlines or mobiles and also for making free calls to another Link user. Now, I've been working from home a lot lately, making videos, and when I need to talk to someone at work, rather than them calling my mobile, I just call them via link. It's free. They don't have to give me their number. So if they're at home or they're mobile, uh, I don't have to ring them. And we've all been provided with uh, headsets, so it works really well. You can also do screen sharing. You can set up group 
instant messages, group audio calls, group video calls, if you really want to. That's not going to work well from home. No. No. No, particularly when I'm in my PJs. <laughs> We're not going down that route. <laughs> I'm a thong. Oh, good grief. Anyway. The thong um, PJs and the Mac Bites teeth. That's yes. Minster off his bike. Mm. Now, the company's actually opening a new office shortly, and they've decided that there's going to be no landline telephone, so everything is going to be voice over IP via link. And initially, most people used the desktop app, and everyone was provided with a headset, but now there's an iOS app and an Android app, and this is an app they're allowing you to use if you want to. So we're back to that. It's your own personal phone. You don't have to install it, but if you want to, you can do. But like you say, there'll probably be that social pressure to install it and always be in touch. I'm thinking about that boss that I had a while back, idiot. Um, I had a mobile phone, but it, it was a long time ago. This was when mobile phones were the size of a brick. And it was my own personal mobile phone. And um, he was sending me off to court, do you remember? I and remember. he wanted me to give him my phone number so he could ring me and see how it went. And I said, no way that I would ring him. And he was like, well, I want to ring you. And I thought, I mean, point one, you can't ring me. I'm in court. The judge will go mad. And, and point two, if I give you my number, don't tell me you're only going to use it between nine and five. I don't believe you. And I said, no, I won't give you the number. And he was quite annoyed about that and said, well, why not? Why not? And I said, look, when you pay the bill, you can have the number. And he went white, you know, back in the day. This was... About 20 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, 18, 19 years ago. You were talking quite a lot of money for like 10 minutes. You know, you didn't get these 600 minute things. It was expensive to use. And no, I would not give him the number. What I said I would do was ring him and give him the bill. <laughs> Strangely, that didn't go down well. But I did that because I thought, no, I know what will happen. I'll be on holiday. He, he won't bother to look that I'm on holiday. He'll just think she's not in the office. I'll use her mobile number. And I wasn't having it. I, I could see that that was the beginning of the slippery slope. And I just wouldn't do that. In your position now, time's moved on so much. I'm glad I'm not employed by somebody else because that social pressure is there. It's like, well, I can see them turning around and saying, well, you're not committed to the job. You're not committed if you won't give me a mobile number and you won't let me, you know, you won't access your work stuff out of work hours. And I must admit, it's a very, very dodgy line to be walking. And I'm glad it's not me because I know I've said to you, and what do you do when, you know, if you start at seven in the morning and you're finishing at half past three and somebody wants you at four o'clock, what do you do? Mm, exactly. Because they don't know what time you started. And didn't you have that today with, can you just sit in on this training? Yeah. And it was half past eight in the evening. Well, our time was half past eight in the evening, yeah. Exactly, but that was because you'd done it once. Mm. And I said, as soon as you've done it once, it becomes the norm. So I must admit, I have a slightly different approach to you. I can understand the convenience of it, but there's a tipping point where convenience becomes expected. And then you're not committed if, if you don't do that. And that, that's a bit dangerous to me. I'm not one of these work-life balance brigade. I mean, I can be at my computer 18 hours a day. I sit there until the work's done. Um, but I'm working for me. I wouldn't want somebody else to say you will be sitting at your computer for the next 18 hours. That's not happening. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, yeah. You know what I'm like. I know what you like. Mm. Anyway, how does the quality of the call compare to Skype? You know, reliable quality. My experience, not too great, but I don't know um, whether I've got exactly the same setup as you. When you've used Link, you've tended to do it through a browser, I think, haven't you? I don't really know what I'm doing with Link because, like you're saying... If you describe it as Skype, what I've seen Microsoft use it for is to deliver a training session online. And that doesn't feel like Skype to me. It feels more like Adobe Connect or a Google Hangout. So what I've done is I, I've got a URL and I actually use a Windows VM for it because, good grief, I've no idea what the Mac would, would need to access this thing. So I go to my VM with this link and I paste it into a browser and up it pops. So I I have installed something, but I think it's a browser extension rather than being an actual app. It is. It's the browser. It's the browser-based version of Link, whereas we've we've actually got the desktop app on our computers and this iOS app, and there's an Android app, as I say, for the uh, the, the mobile devices. But the quality, certainly the the quality when you are talking to somebody, is fine. There there have been dropouts, but I think the problem is when you are working outside the company. 
So if I'm working from home, I am essentially VPNing into the company network and um, I'm talking to somebody on Skype, on Skype, on Link, but I'm actually doing it through the company network. Well, maybe it's the fact that it's a public facing sort of training session. Yeah. Uh, there's th- there's a lot of people there. I'm using um, the web version. What I seem to see is like a disconnect of the video, but not the audio that, you know, I can carry on listening to the person. Occasionally the lock goes, but mainly it's a disconnect of the video and then like a spinning thing as it buffers up again. So maybe I need the app. I'll try the app next time. Yeah, but just just to go back to what I was saying, um, I've got the full client, the full desktop client on my work computer. But obviously, I have to log into the uh, the work network um, to to access it. But I've also got um, a link client on the Mac. So if I actually speak to somebody from the Mac, and okay, you know, I've got a better microphone and a better headset on the Mac, but I don't think that makes much difference. But the quality is certainly better because I'm going directly from the Mac through our broadband and not actually going through the company network. So I think that must have a bearing as well. Mm. And I don't get charged. We don't get charged at all because it's you know it's link to link and even though i'm going from my computer and not going through the company network there's still no charge for it well moving on anyway um there's another another thing that i use my iphone for and that is what we call secure id now once upon a time if you wanted to connect to the company network you had to be on site with a lan cable in your computer hovis music hovis music when i were a lad i'm glad you didn't say last I was talking about you. I know, but we made that joke the other day. Move on then. The other day? Oh, yes. Yes. Not nice one, nice one. Keep that's reminding like, them all. That's like next week, isn't it? Oh, don't upset him. <laughs> Where was I up to? Yes, uh, you had to be on site with a LAN cable in your computer, but now with a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection, you can actually log in from anywhere. So I could be at home, I could be in a hotel, I could be in Starbucks, I could be in McDonald's, I could be in an Apple store. That's much more likely. Yeah. So if I've got my work computer with me and I, as long as I can connect it to a Wi-Fi, all um, I have at that point is access to my local machine. If I want to connect it to the company network, I need to use a little secure ID fob. Or, Or dog treats as they became known. Uh, not our dog. Oh, no, he's got more sense. But he many has. were um, devoured, shall we say, and yes. um, returned in a somewhat unfortunate <laughs> condition. Yes, my boss lost hers and she thinks the dog ate it and she had to be on Poo Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need that kind of clarity, but do move along. <laughs> you can cut that out if you like. No, let's leave that bit in. What if people are eating their lunch? They're more likely to be riding their bike. That's very true, actually. <laughs> Anyway, um, yes, uh, secure ID fobs. So what they're doing is they're actually replacing these secure ID fobs, which basically it's like a little kind of plastic credit card and um, it it has four digits on it and every 60 seconds these four digits change and you run a program on your PC, on the, on the work laptop, and then you type in your four-digit PIN and then you follow that up with the four digits. Well, actually, it's six digits from the FOB. And as long as you put in the correct digits, it connects you to the network. So what they're doing now is to save carrying around the FOB and probably also to save money. If you've got a smartphone, you can then download the RSA Secure ID app and it works the same way. What you do is you run the app type in your PIN, it generates an eight-digit number and you type that into the VPN application on the laptop and that gets you into the network. And by the time you've done all that, I've given up the will to live and you've forgotten what you were trying to log into work for anyway. And it's time to go home. Yeah, (laughs) that's not too bad then, is it? No. So as long as the dog doesn't eat the phone, then you're okay. Yes. So that's where we are up to with me and my iOS devices and my work. Does that mean we're never going to have to hear about you bemoaning the fact you can't get your calendars ever again? Well, that would depend, I guess. If I left the company, we might be on Groundhog Day. No! You're right, (laughs) you're staying there forever. That's it. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, let's move on. Let's talk about other um, apps, other, other mail apps. Let's start with Sparrow. 
Do the teeth need winding up? I think they do. Sparrow, yeah, Sparrow for iPhone. Sparrow for iPhone. It's Sparrow for iPhone used to be my preferred app, mainly because the built-in mail app doesn't delete from Gmail accounts; it only archives. So when you go and you, if you know, if you've, you're using the mail app, you go to a mail and you um, have got your buttons, your your icons down at the bottom. There's only um, an archive one, and I wanted to delete mail. I think they're just acknowledging the fact that Gmail was never intended to delete, that it's an archive system. Plus the fact, I know it, that's coming from the, the Google end. I think it's just Apple making sure that there's no accidents with email that you can then blame on them. You mean it's like a digital hoarder system? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can never actually delete anything. <laughs> Did you know that's what put me off using Gmail for quite a while? Um, when it first came out, there was this aspect of you, you know, delete, but it didn't. It archived, and there was actually, I'm, I'm sure, really back at the beginning, there was no way to actually delete, and then they built that in later. I don't remember that, but I I use the Gmail website quite a lot, and you know, I literally just go tick 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 delete, which works for me. I don't tend to delete that many mails. I must admit, I, I, I don't want to think, so I just archive them. I just use because it gives me transparency with the with clients that I don't have to worry about what client I'm using. You know, this one deletes, that one doesn't delete, this one archives. I just accept you know, Gmail archive and deal with it later. You, know, you, you, it's very powerful, like you're saying in in the web interface, that I can then maybe you know say it's um, mails from a, a list that I'm subscribed to, and then I think no, I don't need to keep those anymore. I can just run a query on it, uh, pull them back, and then delete them retrospectively. So I must admit, I don't really worry. Um, I too used um, a Sparrow, loved it, really loved it. It then, well, it didn't exactly stop working, did it? The inevitable happened. Yes, it got sunsetted. Mm, Google bought it. Dun, dun, yes, dun, dun. again. Um, I actually looked at it and you know it's still available. Not is only is it still available, it's available for purchase. I found that quite strange because I'm sure when they announced that Google were purchasing it, they said they were entering maintenance mode. And I know there's been a couple of very tiny point updates just to keep it going. But wouldn't you think Google could afford to make it free? Yes. Well, it's $1.99. It's got a nice interface. Um, I think it's a logical app. I, I, It was my preferred app. I did like it. I think I still got it on my 4S. Um, but not my primary one anymore. Logical and nice, but never an iPad version, which I, I remember when there was like, we're going to have an important announcement. Everyone was thinking, great, there'll be an iPad version. To find out, Google had bought them. Mm. That wasn't so great, was it? <laughs> no, because you knew what would happen next, didn't you? You did, yes. So I moved on. And you I moved, moved on, on as well. Yes, we moved on together to um, Boxer which I think is a great app for iOS. Yeah, I installed it recently on your recommendation. Do you mean instruction? Sorry? Do you mean instruction? Instruction, yes. Uh, arm twisted up back. No, it wasn't arm twisted up back, was it? No, no I, it was, I've got this sexy new piece of software and what did you say? I want it. Yeah, I installed it and I set it up to connect to my Gmail account and I set it up to connect to my... Um, um, iCloud account, dot um, Mac account, whatever you want to call it, um, and I also can set it up to connect to my work mailbox because th- th- they've actually said at work that they're limiting. Well, you've got to be careful about what apps you use. The, obviously, the built-in mail apps okay, and the uh, Microsoft OWA apps okay, but there's so many third-party apps, and you've got to be careful about how these apps, as they say, um, interact with the data and where they store the data and what they do with the data, because there could be data privacy issues. So I did connect my work mailbox to it just to see if I could do it, but then I found that it re- well it required a passcode. Now, that meant that I've got the device passcode and also every time I went into um, Boxer, I had to type in another passcode, which was a Boxer passcode. And that was even if I only wanted to check my Gmail account. So I disconnected um, my work Do you ever actually box. get any work done? You know, the, the work you're supposed to be doing once yeah. you've got through the security. Mm. It's like the Kremlin, isn't it? Mm. So I disconnected my work mailbox from Boxer, but it still required the passcode. So then I went into the Boxer configuration and I turned off the requirement for a passcode. 
but I still I do like Boxer. Um, the, you know, the, the fact that you can configure it in so many different ways. It's an absolute bargain. If you've not tried it, it's got to be worth a try. It's just 69 pence or 99 cents. There is um, an iPhone and iPad version. There's also a light version. And I must admit, I hadn't even looked at the light version. Uh, but I did when I was... Um, thinking, OK, we'll, we'll have a talk about this. And now what I wanted to know was what the differences were. So um, we'll come on to that. But the feature set it's got is great. Like you said, um, swiping, I think, is brilliant because it means you can work with your mail with one hand. So you either swipe to delete or you can swipe to archive. You can mark it as spam, etc., just by swiping. So um, you're really managing your mail with just a thumb, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, it's got push notifications uh, like the Evernote integration and it integrates well with the calendars. It works fantastically well for Gmail. I've not tried it with iCloud. Um, I don't really bother with my iCloud account. So um, what, when I'm looking for an email client, it's got to work well with Gmail. Um, I just think it's fantastic. It's got great features. When I looked at the light version, it looks like the only limitation is like the really advanced stuff that you're talking about. So if you want multiple accounts, you'll need um, the pro version. So the only things that seem to be missing from the light version are the multiple accounts, uh, exchange support. So it doesn't have that. It doesn't have email aliases. Uh, it doesn't have that passcode, which I wouldn't have given a second thought to, but now you've mentioned it, it would stop you accessing work accounts. It doesn't have the box and Dropbox integration or custom signatures. And um, one of the features that I like is that it's got custom quick response templates. So if you just want to say, send back to somebody, you know, yes, here's the tender, whatever, then you can do that. And that's not in this light version. But to, to try it, give the light version a go. And then if you like it, you can get multiple accounts and all those other features with the 69 pence version. To be honest, for 69 pence support the developer once you've got apps like sparrow disappearing you in instantly need an alternative and this is a really really good one the only downside that i found with it at all is that it doesn't have an integrated browser which doesn't sound like a biggie it doesn't sound like a big thing at all but it is you know when you're in your mail and like i'll get a mail from audible and it'll say click here to look at the sale items and I'll tap on it and it cranks up Safari, which isn't my default browser to start with. And then I've got to shut down Safari and then go back to the mail. I didn't realise the importance of an integrated browser until it wasn't there anymore. So uh, Sparrow had that. Unfortunately, Boxer doesn't. But who knows? I've put in a request for it. So um, I really, really like Boxer. I think it's better on the iPad interface wise, a million times better than the built in app. I've not tried it on the iPad. I've only tried it on the iPhone. The thing on the iPad that I really like is that you get the list of mail, which most apps, you know, when you're in portrait view, yeah. most apps slide it out of the way, don't they? And you've got to mm. constantly bring it back. This actually lets you see all the mail in that view, although I do usually process my mail the other way around. But on to the Mac. Yes, Mail in Mavericks. I didn't use it until recently. And I'm, we're talking about the Mail app, aren't we? Not the fact the mail itself on Mavericks. I think the fact there is mail in Mavericks is a dirty rumour from what <laughs> yes. I've heard. Yeah, I didn't use the mail app. I actually used Postbox, which again was on your recommendation. But the problem was that I couldn't get Postbox to work with Office 365. I don't think it supports Exchange Server. That wouldn't surprise me if it didn't, to be honest. So what I did is I set up the mail app on my iMac to see it would, if it would connect, which it did. Now, anyone who's been given a company Mac Outlook 2011 is the preferred solution, but uh, on a personal Mac, there is no preferred solution. So I can now access my work email on my iMac. It's useful, you know, if I'm working from home and I want to send things directly from a Mac. And also, as an aside, BusyCal's configured to connect to my cloud-based mailbox, and it's a two-way sync. It's not just read-only, so it's always up to date. Very, very interesting. Mm. I don't have that need, luckily. Um, I must admit, I've only used the Mail app for iCloud and um, I never had it configured for Gmail. And I know there have been a lot of problems with people using it to access Gmail. But as I've said before, um, I still had major issues in Mavericks, even with only iCloud. So to be honest, when I set up a Mavericks machine from scratch, I didn't even bother to set up the Mail app which is a shame because I used to live in it. I remember when I when I finally moved my mail onto my Mac, which was 18 months into using a Mac, 
I loved it. I had the mail app configured perfectly. I had mail act on. Do you remember that one? This little plug-in. Uh, mail tags, which was even better, that gave you sort of tagging features. I had SpamSiv running. SpamSiv was just so accurate. It was unbelievable. I, I think I had maybe two false positives in all the time I used it. I guess times change and um, it isn't even configured at the moment. There was also a Sparrow for Mac, if I recall correctly, but I don't think I used it. I think it came out after the iOS version and it was, it was really nice. It had a Twitter-like interface. I was dubious at first because it was so like Twitter, but I must admit it, it grew on me. And of course, that was when Google killed it. Um, it did inspire several apps launched later than that, though, uh, one of them being MailPilot. Not heard of that one. Uh, it's relatively new. It was a Kickstarter project and it promised a new way to handle your mail. And obviously at the Kickstarter level, you're watching the video, reading the stuff, and you can't quite grasp precisely in what way it would change it. Um, it looks like, now it's out, um, predefined tags that the interface gives you a dedicated interface for. So say you, um, it has some predefined tags and one of them is like uh, to do today or upcoming. You tag these mails and then you use these buttons in the interface to drill down to just those mails. So to me, it just seems a way to tag mail. So more of a system sat on top of GTD. Um, I must admit, I haven't partaken of that one. That's not one that I've bothered with. But what I'm saying about it is it was one of the ones that came out after the sad demise of um, Sparrow. And it seems to be more using the mail as the reminder, if you're with me. Which goes against what GTD says, that don't use the item as a reminder. Exactly. It's a, it's a bit like you're in your kitchen and you open the fridge door and you realise you need milk. So you take the milk carton out and you stick it on the unit top. Why? Put it on your to-do list when you know when you go into the shops. Don't use the item as the, rem the reminder. I agree with you. I try not to do that. I try to have a single place that I manage all the things I need to do. And that doesn't involve leaving things out to try and remind me. I'm not one of these people that has 3,000 post-it notes stuck to my monitor. I do have post-it notes. They're in a drawer. <laughs> they never get taken out and left. Um, I agree, but plenty do do that, don't they? They do. And again, Sparrow for Mac is also still available to purchase at the price of six ninety nine, which is almost a whole half a Tweetbot. Mm. And considering that it isn't going to get any updates, again, I'd have thought they could make that free. Like you say, um, Postbox was my preferred mail client for a few years, but I must admit I've looked around. I've got, a, I call it a mild annoyance with Postbox. Once or twice a day, it pops up a dialogue box and asks me to enter my password for my Gmail account. I've had that, but not as often as I've seen you have that. And what concerns me about that is obviously the credentials at some point are getting rejected, hence it asking you to enter your credentials again. What I'd be worried about is the number of times that you have to do that, that Google will think, oh, this is somebody trying to hack it and just shut the account down. That mm. that would worry me. That that was one of my major concerns. Didn't happen to me sort of once or twice a day. It was maybe twice a week. But even that was too much for me. Postbox is great with Gmail, though. Um, and it was much reduced in price. I've got a price in my mind of about $40 with version one. Um, then there was version two, which went in the App Store, and then it came out of the App Store sandboxing issues. Um, it's now version three, and it's only $9.99, which I think is a great price. I think it's got a very traditional interface. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I don't like to say old-fashioned, but certainly traditional mail, rather than something like Mail Pilot or Sparrow. Yeah. One annoyance that appeared between versions, it was either between version one and two and it's still there, or two and three and it's still there. But when you come to print a mail, you can't turn off the default header and footer. You've got to go in and do it manually every time, which just drove me mad. No, I am not printing all my mail to paper. What I'm doing is creating PDFs for reference. So if I purchase something, some software, I want to PDF the email with the serial number in, and then I put it in a folder. And I don't want all that garbage on the header and footer. I just want a very plain PDF um, and it just will not stick. So I wrote to them and explained. It's even got an expert mode. You remember that expert mode that I showed you and it said, are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? And it, it needs like four or five confirmations. And it, it really is written in, in tags. It's code. 
And I even went in there and tried putting it in and it doesn't remember it in there either. Uh, they acknowledged it was an issue and they've never fixed it. And I think it's nearly two years now. So that was when I discovered Airmail in the Mac App Store. And Airmail is absolutely awesome. I installed that one, but I don't actually use it. There's a surprise. Airmail is fast. It's got a great interface. It's not that traditional style interface. It's much more modern. You've got the swipe to delete or the swipe to archive options. So swipe one way, it deletes. Swipe the other way and it archives, which is great if you're using um, a trackpad, but it also works on a mouse. So I absolutely love that. And it's got such incredible options for customization. They go on for pages. There's um, colors, aliases, lots of signatures. The actual app itself has different interfaces. So there's like professional wide, um, standard narrow, and you can just flick between these settings and get just the look that you're looking for for your mail. It also integrates really well with Dropbox, Google Drive, Dropler, Evernote. I have had problems trying to get it to uh, authenticate with my cloud app account, but I think that's my cloud app. I, When I found this, I thought this looks really nice. And then I saw the price and I couldn't believe it. I thought this has got to be, you know, one of these things that's on offer, like $2 Tuesdays or something. Mm. It is stunningly only £1.49. And it has been £1.49 for some considerable time. What it says on the page is that, you know, the price will be going up. Don't know when, but I would say to you, you cannot get robbed for £1.49 if you just try it. So um, get it while it's £1.49, which is incidentally only 11.5% of a Tweetbot. OK, we're still talking in Tweetbots, are we? Oh, we've got to talk in Tweetbots, yes. Now, moving on to something that I'm assured is called a Google Takeout. Does it do sweet and sour chicken? I found four Chinese restaurants. Two of them are fairly close to you. I've sorted them by distance. Typical woman. Hyper-organized. It's um, a web page on Google which um, allows you to archive your data from 17 different Google services. So if you think about the data that you would have in Google, I mean, Google knows everything about you, um, bookmarks, contacts, uh, mail, your files in Google Drive. I found it the first time, I think, for Google Reader. Remember the sad demise of that one. Mm. And what you had to do to take uh, your subscriptions was go to the settings takeout page. So it's google.com slash settings slash takeout. And from there, you create an archive of whichever type of content you put the tick in the box for. I did notice that Google Reader had now gone. So your data for Google Reader is gone. But of the 17 services, some of them were actually quite useful. So to make an archive of all your mail, you can just tick that option and uh, start archiving. But be warned, on the page when you uh, tick said boxes and you are creating said archive, uh, it has been known to take days according to the write-up. So, uh, you know, if you've got a lot of mail or a lot of whatever, it can take a while, and it mentioned a couple of hours, up to a few days. So I don't know whether they're going to email it to you or what. There are good reasons to delete your mail after all. Oh, that's a Make good point, isn't smaller. it? Now, there are other ways to back up your mail, but I leave it to you via cloud pull. There are other ways to back up your mail. Um, I think you should take the responsibility to back up your mail and not have to rely on that takeout thing. Um, we use cloud pull, you're quite right, and how it's set up. So it is a, you don't set it once and you don't have to think about it. It is set up on a dedicated machine that we have, a Mac mini server. And the app itself will take multiple accounts. So you can put in, I've got my account in, your account in, and, you know, the, the odd other account. And it will back up the lot. It will back up your email. It will back up um, your Google Drive files. So once having configured it, you say sort of back up every 15 minutes, every hour. And not only do you get an automatic backup of your email, but you also get your Google Drive files backed up too, uh, which is why I have an always on server to do that with. There isn't, I don't just have it there for CloudPull. Uh, on this server, I have it set up with other apps. So things like um, OneDrive, SkyDrivers was, Dropbox, Box, you name it, all the online services that I have, I have them pulling back to this server. So with it turned on all the time, if the worst happens, I've got copies of my data. So that's what that machine does. It's handy that CloudPull allows you to use multiple accounts because otherwise you'd have to have another machine set up to do the other one. There there are apps that 
promised to do a similar thing, but they don't have that support for multiple accounts, which I think is a killer feature of it. So yes, that's one way that I back up. A um, couple of other apps that I've used over the years is uh, one of them is Mail Archiver X or Mail Archiver 10, and that archives inbox mailboxes. Again, it's got multiple clients supported. So I did used to use Mail at one point with my .Mac account as it was then, um, and I had Postbox, and I think I probably had Thunderbird at one point as well, just for testing. And um, this application, Mail Archiver X, uh, works with Entourage, Eudora, Mail, Postbox, Outlook, PowerMail and Thunderbird. The great thing with this one is it also backs up cloud-based mail, so Gmail and iCloud, with no client installed. So, for instance, I don't have a client on my desktop currently that accesses my iCloud mail, but I could still use this application to back up the mail from iCloud, which is a great benefit of it. It also has a built-in email viewer, because when you think of these applications, their focus is often on backing up the mail. And they never think about getting the mail out again, you know, finding it. This one has got search. It's also got export features. So you can export individual mails to PDFs and you can also export groups of mails to FileMaker. Now, we've discussed that FileMaker is rather expensive. I'm guessing if it can take it out to FileMaker, if it's a FileMaker file, and I haven't tried this, so I need to look at that. But if it's a FileMaker file and you could find some other application that would import that, then you could use it as a conduit to a different app. It also has handily some cleanup options for the mail as well. You could strip out forward codes and things like that. Obviously, with being a backup thing, if you don't use it, might as well not have it. So there is a scheduler in there as well. So that sounds like it does quite a lot and that is reflected in the price, which is uh, $34.95, which is how many Tweetbots? Oh, three. No, Tweetbot was $20, £13. So um, just over one and a half, one and a half Tweetbots for that. Um, it is very good. I have used that and I like it. I like the fact that I can get into the mail archive so it's not just sort of, it's backed up, it's over there somewhere and then you turn around and think, how am I going to get it out? So that one, I think I got that at half price and at half price I thought that was a bargain. Another one that I've used is Email Backup Pro. Very similar in concept to um, Mail Archiver X. So it has multiple clients supported and multiple clients can be backed up in a single backup pass. So you don't have to say, OK, here's some settings, back up that client. And then here's some more settings, back up the other client. It's one set of settings. And when you run the backup, it backs up multiple clients. Um, it has scheduling as well. It also has restore options and it has a built in backup manager. So when you've got these backed up elements, you can then go back and manage those. It's very simple to use. It's one of these that's just got like one page of settings, um, but it's actually quite powerful. I remember going in and trying to force it to use my preferred naming conventions, which were I like the year at the, at the beginning, followed by the month, followed by the day. And that way they're sorted correctly. And it let me do that. And once you've set it up, it is one of those that you can set it and forget it. I think from memory, you do have to close the um, email client down. And my problem is now, I don't think either of those supports AirMail. But luckily, the first one definitely will back up Gmail with no client installed. So I can get it to back up Gmail irrespective of the client that I use. Uh, the benefit of using Email Backup Pro is that it's only $10.00 half a tweet bot. You see, it's a good comparison, this. You get a feel for where where it is on, on the food chain of software, don't you think? Mm, on the tweet bot scale. Yes, on the tweet bot scale. Um, so, so that one is um, Email Backup Pro. And another way to back up, I must admit, I've virtually given up on this for practical reasons, and I think you've used it. Definitely think Pro lets you back up email. Yeah, I did it about four or five years ago and then, like you say, gave up on it. My problem with it was once I'd imported the mail, it very cleverly knew which mails I'd imported. So imagine I, I've got my uh, all mail section of Gmail. I could grab the lot, back them up, and then a couple of days later, I've got another 400 mails. I don't have to know where I was up to in the backup process. I can just grab the lot, tell it to archive, and it will know what is already archived in DevonThink. 
The problem with that was when Devonthink had a moment and I wanted to start again um, and organise the whole thing differently, it thought they'd already been imported. And I think the only way I got around that was to start again on a different machine. And I must admit, at that point, I thought, hmm, do I want... I, I like stuff with backups I don't have to think about. Set it and forget it. Otherwise, if, if you put even a tiny barrier between me and done, I, I lose interest, I must admit. But Devonthink Pro have just literally... I think it was today or yesterday when there was another show, incidentally, um, added support for airmail. So you would be able to archive directly to Devonthink Pro from airmail. So now I've got to go and have a look at it again, haven't I? Yes. Something yeah. else for my to-do list. Yes. Now, before we go, and uh, Matt Biters, it really is nearly time to go. Uh, you got rather excited about a new app this week, didn't you? Oh, I did. Busy Contacts. It's not with us yet, but it's on the way in the summer. From the makers of Busy Cal. I wonder if it'll have an info panel. Info panel! Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It is a contact management app and it's not one of these CRM type things. So, uh, we used ACT, didn't we? Back Way Years back ago, when. Yeah. Yes, and Goldmine. That was another one. Um, no, it is for, it's really to replace the contacts, isn't it? your Mac contacts app, which is pretty basic. Um, it is to replace that and the interface looks gorgeous. There's a few screenshots up there already and you can apply to join the beta list. So already in there. So hopefully I will have my sticky paws on it very soon. Uh, I think the important thing with it that really would, well, got me excited because software does that to me, is the fact that it's got tag support, which I'm already doing in contacts. I don't know if you are, if you created groups. I've got a couple of groups. I think I've got an Argus group with some of the Arguses in. Oh, good that grief, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> I've not gone to that level. Um, no, what I tend to do is if I want to group things where, you know, like maybe people are working for one company or something, yeah. I found it easier to do searches if I put, I mean, it doesn't support tags per se, but what I do is in the notes field, I just put words separated by commas, so my, my own primitive tagging system. Well, this uh, busy contact promises proper tags, real tags. It also allows you to uh, have contacts from multiple sources, one of which is exchange. So for you, you could have your contacts from work and they'll all be locked away in a nice little do not disturb at Christmas box. Mm. I think that's handy. Yeah. So at multiple sources. I like that because I do. I seem to have acquired some contacts via Google Plus, I think. And they're in Google. I didn't put them there. They just appeared. Um, and I, I don't have any access to those on my Mac. So multiple sources is quite handy. It also, because it's from the people who make BusyCal, um, has links to events. So it integrates well with BusyCal. It promises customizable views, smart filters. And one of the things I thought was really good was it integrates with social media so that the integration on the image is it integrates with Twitter. So you can have your contacts from Twitter. I don't know what that's bringing through. I don't know how it would marry those people up with existing contact records or whether they'd be completely independent. But I don't think if you follow somebody on Twitter, you get access to their email, do you? Don't think so, no. There is an email no. address allocated to, to you know, assigned to the Twitter account, but I don't think you can use that unless you tick a box. And then I don't think it shows the people that. But anyway, you can't see much more than the fact it integrates with Twitter, which looks promising. And you can, the the biggie, I think this one is a, a biggie, even for home users, is contact sharing. With contact sharing, you can have two users, so say Mike and I, and Mike has certain contacts, maybe your family, and I've got my family, and I want to keep those up to date. Now, if you've got them in your contacts and a number changes, we've got the old post-it shuffle, haven't we? Mm. Did you update this? Did you No, did you update that one and all of that? With contact sharing, you could manage half of them, I could manage half of them, and then you could share your lot and I could share my lot. Mm, cool. Yes, families. Yes, yes Lee said about that best, I think. Yes. But I can see uses for that. I really can. I can see where one person um, in the family manages the contacts maybe all of them and just wants to share them with another person you know like the, the less technical person who just wants it to work yeah i think that's amazing all that lot's beginning to sound expensive it's 49.99 which is two and a half tweet bots mm, two and a half tweet bots i i think it I think I'd probably pay that for it. I I think, I mean, you know how busy I keep the guys at Busy Mac, no pun intended, when I break BusyCal repeatedly, True. which I've done yet again. But we discussed that. 
the other day. I'm liking this. Yes. So uh, I know that they're responsive to problems that, that I cause. So um, they're good developers. So I am prepared to give that one a go. I'm looking forward to that. I, Looking from the, the screenshots, I'd have to say it's the contact app that Apple should have made. We're back to that again. We said that the other day about the keyboard as well. We yes, did. it is. It's. Um, I, I can't believe Apple haven't sort of put tags in like in, in the implementation that these guys have. So can't wait to get my hands on that. Two and a half tweet bots or yes. otherwise. Save up your tweet bots. I will. Well, that's it for this special episode of MacBytes, the fourth part of our MacBytes 7 series, seven MacBytes in seven days. How's the delinquency going, folks? We will have no delinquency. As always, we'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. Use the contact form on the website, send us an audio file, leave us a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk and don't forget to keep sending your Mac love bites in. Leave a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook and circle us on Google+. Sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk uh, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at twittergotten. I knew it! <laughs> the last one tripped you up. Twitter.com slash ThomasMike. <laughs> you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacBytesSiri. So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye, and see you next time. They are over halfway there. You'd better get that Chinese order in. They need to keep their strength up. That's a good plan.